the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy. We are here once again with a show for you. So happy to have you be here. Make sure you tell your friends out there to uh, listen to the show. You can find us on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We're on Reddit. We're on, uh, what's that other one? Uh, MySpace. We're on all those things. So uh, go find us there and uh, spread the word. Join in the conversation, especially on Reddit. I love to have people on Reddit uh, talk about uh, things that are going on. And it, it uh, it's a little bit more conversational. It seems like a little bit less Haiti than... Uh, than Facebook can get. So find us out there on Reddit if you want. That would be awesome. If you want to become a financial supporter of the show, because we are 100% listener supported, you can go to our website, which is messituppodcast.com. You can click on the become a patron button and it'll take you to our Patreon giving service, which uh, lets you give for as little as a dollar a month, um, a dollar a month to the show. And that helps uh, support things like, um, well, web servers, and hosting time and all that stuff. It also helps get people into uh, prisons um, and not like prisoners, but uh, people to go in and do work in the prison uh, like uh, Prison Fellowship Ministries and Celebrate Recovery Insight. We are going today, as I record this, I'm going to meet with the uh, community resource manager at our local prison to find out when we're going to get started on classes. And I'm hoping by the time you're listening to this show that we will be in the prisons once again. So the other way you can give is to do our text to give. Mum's the word. Text the word mum, M-U-M, to the number 760-WALLS-C-A, W-A-L-L-S-C-A. That's like prison walls of California. Send us in there. Um, this is your chance to send Paul to prison um, and you can do that on that as well. All those um, text to give dollars are tax deductible. The Patreon, uh, only about 92% is tax deductible because um, we can't give you a deduction for the, the fee that uh, Patreon charges, but we can give you a tax deduction on the rest of that. So thank you to all of our givers um, who are giving and to everybody who wants to join in. We appreciate that too. If you want to get a hold of me, it's bowtie guy at messituppodcast.com. Or you can text or call me at 760-608-1942. I think that's most of what I've got to do. I'm doing this a little bit fast because uh, I have a guest today that is Zooming in on the Zoom. And apparently, I did not push the button as well as I thought I did when we did it. So we, we recorded the first half of the show. I went to go pause it for the song of the week. And there was nothing to pause. So we are back. And welcome to the show once again, Catherine Hobbs. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> still? <laughs> are you yep, sure? Still. <laughs> um, you don't so, mind me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Catherine, you're going to hear her story. And um, it's one of those, those stories that is uh, grab a box of Kleenex because um, it, it can be gut-wrenching. And so I made her rip her soul out. And then I was like, oh, crud, we have to do it again. And this has only happened one other time. You guys remember the story with Rodney um, and his son, uh, Jude. Same thing happened where we had to re-record. Um, so um, when I do stories about children, I guess we have to re-record. Uh, but Catherine, thank you so much for joining the show and for being patient enough and not telling me to go pound sand after I didn't record the first time. Uh, that says a lot about your character right there. 
Thanks. I'm glad to be here. And we all have weaknesses and mis- make mistakes. <laughs> well, this is I a messed up podcast, right? It is. It is a messed up podcast. And I think one of the things that um, you could feel because of this is you could uh, go off in uh, a feeling of great dudgeon. And dudgeon is our word of the week this week, which really fits in well. And it's, it's a feeling of offense or deep resentment that you might get. Um, so if you can use that word in your sentences this week, give yourself 10 bonus points, keep track of all that, post it on the internet, tell the world you got bonus points from messing up podcast. We're using the word dudgeon. Catherine, I'm not going to mess around too much more. We're just going to go ahead and get in, tell the people once again, um, your story. And I just checked, I see the little signs that it says recording. So that was missing last time. So, um, hopefully we're good to go this time. Thanks, Paul. Um, so my story, we're going to go back uh, seven years, uh, a little bit. My husband and I actually just celebrated our, uh, seven, seven year wedding anniversary this month. Woo-hoo! Um, yes, it was, it was great. Um, but as we go back, um, my husband and I, we met, we got married, we were both in school and we decided we wanted to start to have our family. And so we started trying to have a a baby and it just, things seemed like they weren't quite right. Um, It just seemed like it was taking longer than it should have. And so typically, and they say, if you're trying to have a baby and it's been a year, you should go in to see a doctor. Um, However, I was having some other um, symptoms and things going on that um, I think we've been trying for nine months. I um, went in to go see an OBGYN, see if they could figuring anything out. Um, so we didn't really get a whole lot of answers, but they did find I probably wasn't ovulating regularly. So they put me on um, medication called Clomid, uh, which helps ovulation. Um, and the downside to taking me- this medication is it has a lot of side effects. Um, so I was in school, it was making me very tired and emotional, cranky, uh, very bad cramps. Like it was, it was hard to be in school and be on this medication. So we actually did, I think two, two cycles of Clomid. Um, and before I was like, I just, I need to stop for right now. Uh, maybe finish school. We can keep trying see if things work out naturally. But, um, as far as fertility treatments, I just need to stop. Um, so as we, um, wrapped up school, uh, I was working, um, kind of got into a spot where I wanted to try again. Um, or I guess try fertility medication some more or fertility treatments, I guess I should say. Um, I was, um, working. I, um, when I was working, I liked to, um, on my drive to work, I would, I like to pray in my heart and uh, to God and just, um, I don't know, tell him how I was feeling at the time. I was feeling a little, um, frustrated. You might say, uh, that we had this desire to have a family and it just like uh, the scripture came to my mind all the time that in the garden of Eden, God told that, uh, Adam and Eve to, multiply and replenish the earth. And I just was frustrated that we had that desire to have children and it just wasn't working out. Um, and it felt very 
very alone and isolated as well. Um, so as we, um, I went to see a new OBGYN OBGYN moved by this point, um, and they put me on Clomid again because also they kind of looked at my history. Oh, you were on Clomid. Here's Clomid again, <laughs> and um, so about I think I think we did three cycles and. They, um, I remember my doctor, they did blood work to make sure I, that the medication was actually working. My doctor had said that it didn't, um, look like that I had ovulated. Um, so I was kind of waiting for my cycle to start again. So we could try Clomid again. Um, so I actually was visiting my sister. Um, and I was kind of feeling a little bit sick that week. I thought maybe I'd eaten something that I shouldn't have, or just traveling, I was feeling wonky. I don't know. Um, my sister um, kind of joking, well, maybe you're pregnant. And I, I didn't want to hope. I, I was kind of like, it's probably not like, I'd, I'd, my doctor said I'd ovulate, like that's not likely. Um, however, on my flight back home, um, I was feeling, um, I was having some cravings for orange juice and vanilla frosty. And like when they gave you the water, I like wanted ice. Like I'm not a person who puts ice in my water at all. Um, but I wanted ice and I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, why am I wanting ice right now? So I thought, well, maybe, um, maybe I am pregnant. Who knows? But I didn't tell my husband this yet when I got when he picked me up from the airport. I just told him I wanted a frosty and he went and got me a frosty. Um, but I waited till the next morning to take the uh, pregnancy test and um, so I took the test and lo and behold, it, it came back positive. So we had our uh, miracle pregnancy finally. Um, and my daughter was born in uh, September of 2018. So she's now three and a half. Um, <clears throat> and so a few years, well, it was about a year and a half after we had her, we decided we wanted to, um, try for baby number two. And, um, I'd been doing lots and lots of research because I was anxious about having fertility again. I didn't want to take as long as I did the first time and lots and lots of, lots of research and, um, started trying and uh, I think it was three months. We've been trying for three months just naturally and we got pregnant. It was a miracle and we were so excited and just that things worked out so quickly. And um, when we found out that we were pregnant, we were actually visiting my family up in Idaho. And so it was a nine hour drive back home as we were traveling back home, I started having some uh, bleeding, which in pregnancy is usually a little nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. um, and so we weren't really sure what to do. So we just kind of waited it out. We stopped, uh, made lots of stops on the way home to go to the bathroom and things and just kind of waited it out Sunday. Um, we were back home and out of nowhere, I just had this side pain that was kind of rather strong. And I thought I was probably having a miscarriage. Um, 
So I went to the ER, not really sure what I should do. Um, and they pretty much just went straight and did an ultrasound and they couldn't find the baby in my uterus. They thought maybe I just wasn't as far along as I thought I was, um, where I had irregular um, cycles. They thought maybe just timing was off, um, but they did find um, a mass in my fallopian tube right next to my ovary. Um, and so they wanted to do more tests and follow up. Um, so something I actually didn't mention the first time we recorded this, but maybe I should throw in here is um, they did some blood work to test the HCG levels. And so they typically you want to see the HCG levels in pregnancy. I believe it's double approximately every, what is it, 24 or 48 hours. There's a certain amount of time it's supposed to double. And so they've done that and they called me that week and said, oh, your HCG levels went up. So I thought, oh, maybe everything's fine. We don't need to worry. And um, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute, about what that actually, what happened there. Um, so Thursday, they did a follow-up ultrasound to see if maybe they could find the baby in my uterus, um, hoping time had passed, it'd grown a little bit bigger. Um, so they did let me see the results of that ultrasound. Um, but later that day, I just finished teaching a piano lesson. We had dinner and out of nowhere, I got this sharpest stabbing pain in my side, like stronger than it was on the, on Sunday. Cause the pain had kind of subsided during the week. And I just immediately knew Harlan, that's my husband's name, take me to the emergency room. I don't know what's going on, but I need I need to get there. And so we threw our daughter in the car. He drove me to the ER. And um, this is all during COVID. My husband, um, he actually wasn't able to go with me during um, either of my visits to the ER. And I felt very scared and alone. And I was in so much pain that I thought that I was going to die. And it felt like an eternity waiting for the ER to finally triage, triage me like at I thought I was going to die right there in the waiting room and like it hurt to sit, it hurt to stand. I just could not get any relief. Um, and I told them that I'd had the ultrasound that morning. So they actually, once I finally got in there, they, um, looked at the ultrasound from the morning and confirmed, um, that I had what's called an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and what that is, is where the baby has implanted outside of the uterus. So in my case, it was in my fallopian tube right next to my ovary, which was the mass that they had seen previous. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, an ectopic pregnancy isn't viable. So the baby wasn't ever going to survive there. Um, and an ectopic pregnancy is also life-threatening. Um, so I kind of felt validated that those feelings I was having in the in the waiting room of feeling like I was going to die was, I was going to die unless I got treatment. So they ended up doing a, it's called a laparoscopic surgery. They basically make a couple of small incisions and um, with a camera and able to go in there and remove um, the pregnancy, um, which was really, really hard and scary. Um, so I guess I just, I don't have words to describe how I felt in, in, in that moment. 
um, just because my family wasn't able to be there. My husband wasn't able to be there. Um, it's hard so enough like, to go through when you have to go through it, but to go through during the lockdown and to just yeah. be there Scary. in an old sterile emergency room mm -hmm. or whatever is, yeah. Yeah. So during that time, I was so thankful that I had had friends who were willing to kind of help watch my daughter while I was recovering. Um, Gisela actually um, was uh, my friend who kind of introduced me to Paul. Um, she was willing to watch Hazel for me, my daughter, and I had friends bring us dinner. Like I've, I've never felt so much love in my life in that moment, even though I was scared and alone. Um, but we were also in the middle of moving from Ridgecrest to um, across the country to Tennessee, where my husband's family is. Um, so all the chaos of losing our baby, moving. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I'd kind of done some research um, about infertility, and um, I'd started to suspect that I had a condition called PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so as I was moving in to see a new doctor to follow up from my surgery, I um, wanted to bring up the fact that I thought maybe I had this condition um, to see maybe we could get some answers about infertility. And so one of the symptoms of PCOS is um, you can get facial hair uh, because it's hormone imbalance. So I, embarrassing, I can grow a beard. Um, <laughs> It's, yeah, it's embarrassing. COVID was kind of nice. I like wearing my mask because I didn't have to shave and tweeze quite as often. Um, so for my appointment, I, I purposely let it grow out. I had a couple inches. Um, and so I told my doctor that I thought I had PCOS. She's like, well, let me see. And um, about the facial hair. So I pulled my mask down and she was like, whoa. Uh, yeah, that's not normal that for someone. Or peculiar, or was she too young to know that ladies don't typically have beards? Um, I think, well, she's she was older. Uh, she was an experienced doctor. I think she no, just no, wasn't no, expecting. Oh, your daughter. Oh, what did my daughter think about it? Yeah, did she think it was funny? Like, oh, mom has a beard, or was it just like? <laughs> yeah, sometimes she'll rub it. She's like, mommy has a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And so, uh, because of that, my doctor did decide to do some more tests just to make sure we did like an ultrasound and some blood work, just to make sure it was PCOS. Um, but we got that confirmation and, um, which is in some ways a bit of a relief. Um, but also came with a lot of, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, kind of decided two things. I, I decided I wanted to do everything I possibly could to kind of help combat because there is no cure for PCOS. Um, but I did continue to do research and found there's some lifestyle changes you can do to kind of help minimize um, the symptoms. Um, so I was starting to implement some of those, like changing my diet, trying to exercise. I was doing everything I possibly could. And then I also wanted to go ahead and see a fertility specialist. Um, I just wanted somebody who was the expert to know what to do for my condition. And so we, I went to my doctor to the fertility specialist and he kind of said, you, 
Chromate worked last time, you could do Chromate again, or you could do um, Letrozole, which is very similar to Clomid. It typically doesn't have as many side effects. Um, so my husband and I, we kind of talked about it, we prayed about it, and decided to, um, to go with the Letrozole. Um, and we, um, I think it was about five cycles that we were on Letrozole. Um, but it just felt like it was taking forever and ever and ever to finally get anything. Um, so I do want to kind of go back and talk a little bit about following months after, after we moved following ectopic pregnancy, I started to feel very angry with God. I felt like he was just not listening to my prayers. I felt like he'd forgotten me. I felt, um, what does that look like for you? to be angry with is are you are you do you did you acknowledge that to yourself did you acknowledge that to other I did. people I, I even told my husband I feel like I feel like I'm the redheaded stepchild God's forgotten me um I was because of my anger with God I think I was I was very angry with my family too like I let it out I, I feel so bad for some of the things I said to like my daughter or my husband or just those around me that I was living with. It was just, I feel so bad about it. Um, and just the longer it took to get pregnant, the more angry I became. Yeah. Very, I was very bitter. I felt broken and just, it, I was just not in a good spot. Um, so I think it was November, my husband and I, we decided to, um, give it one last try um, before we went forward with um, starting up the process for IVF, um, which was very expensive. So we didn't really want to go that route and it's very hard on the body from what I'd researched. Um, so I didn't really want to go that route, but I was willing to do it if that's what it took to get a baby. Mm -hmm. um, so we fasted and prayed and um, surprisingly, we got a miracle and we got pregnant and we found out in December and I had a couple of ultrasounds. We had one at five weeks just to make sure. So they, for me, I had a history of ectopic pregnancy. It's likely to have a second one, a repeat. So they typically do an ultrasound to make sure baby's where it's supposed to be um, pretty early on. So week five, we were able to see baby was in the uterus and we were so so thankful. I was like, yay, we, we did it. <laughs> We're pregnant. It's in the right spot. We're good to go. And then we did another ultrasound week six, just to make sure we could hear a heartbeat. And we did, it was the sweetest soft little sound I could hear. I, I can hear it in my head still is unforgettable. Um, so Christmas, we announced to everybody that we were expecting and um, everyone was excited. We were thrilled. And um, my fertility clinic, after we'd had that uh, six week ultrasound, they're like, okay, you're good to go back and see your OBGYN. Um, so I scheduled an appointment and they had me come in at nine weeks for my first appointment. And so they first wanted to do like an ultrasound and then I would go in and see the doctor. Um, so I went in and the person doing the ultrasound, um, it's like moving the, 
I don't know what you call the, the device around the wand. The wand, yeah, <laughs> across my stomach to to see the baby and get his heartbeat. So we could see the baby, but she was she paused and she's like, "I'm not getting a heartbeat." And in that moment, my heart stopped. <laughs> like I I was in shock. Um, she kept trying. She moved it around, trying to see if she could get anything. She just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm not getting anything. Um, and in the moment we were, my husband and I were just both in shock. We just um, didn't expect, expect anything wrong. Um, so they had us wait in the waiting room and then we went in to see my doctor. And my doctor was really sweet about the whole thing. Um, so we're not getting a heartbeat. If you want, we can do a follow-up ultrasound in a week. Let's see if maybe we can get a heartbeat then. Um, but she said it was, um, we were having what's called a silent miscarriage, um, which basically means that the baby is gone, but your body just hasn't recognized it yet. And so we had no, no forewarning that anything was wrong. Um, like a week prior to this appointment, we had like a little bit of spotting, but it wasn't enough so that we were concerned about it. Um, so this just totally knocked us off our feet and messed us up. Yeah. Um, and so we did decide we wanted, um, or I guess the doctor gave us three options on what to do proceeding forward. Um, she said we could go and have a, a DNC to remove um, the, the miscarriage baby or the miscarried baby. Um, we could take some medication, which would induce, um, the passing of the tissue, uh, or we could just kind of wait things out. Um, it's called expected management. Um, and so we, that whole week, it just felt like somebody played like the meanest prank on me. Like I didn't feel like anything was wrong, but they were telling me that something was wrong and it just, I, it was, I don't, I don't have words to describe that week. Right. I, I know when, when I've gone through things like that, um, you know, I, I go to sleep, I wake up and I think, okay, here we are. And then I realize, oh no, it's, it's real. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. I didn't dream that last night. This is actually what's going on. And, and that just, it's a, a cruel repetitive thing every day of just this and and going through and thinking okay for a week like okay there's hope there's not hope and and mm -hmm. not being able to feel your emotions the way that you need to feel your emotions is um cruel yeah it was a roller coaster literally um and my husband and i decided not we did tell like our friends and family like that we're really close to like hey pray for us we're not sure what's going on um, maybe, maybe in heaven already. Um, so we, we, we knew that in that moment we needed support from our, from our loved ones. Um, we didn't tell our daughter anything yet. She was so excited to be a big sister, but we didn't want to, yeah, to tell her yet until we knew for sure. Um, but uh, a couple of days after the, um, after the second ultrasound, again, we weren't able to find a heartbeat. Um, we decided to do kind of expectant management, just like let things take its course. 
I just, for me, it was like, I just want my body to be ready to let it go. Yeah. Um, so while having the miscarriage was very painful and hard, it was, it was a bit of a, re- a relief in some ways to let go. Um, I think probably the hardest part of the healing process thus far, because this is just a few months ago, this is pretty raw and fresh. Um, it was just my daughter. She was so excited to be a sister and she sometimes still talks about the baby. Like, yeah, they don't understand what's going on like that. Yeah. And when my daughter went through hers, having to go through everything and she had, she had two sons and both of them were C-sections. And Mm -hmm. so she was finally getting to do a natural birth, but it wasn't there wasn't going to be the joy at the end of it. And it was just, yeah. that was a really difficult time for her, difficult time for us as parents to, to go through it. And um, I, I'm just, I, I love hearing what I'm hearing about Harlan because her husband was not, you know, there, he, you know, had to be at work while she went through this. And um, it was, it, it, it was, it's just, I mean, I always feel bad for ladies because, you know, as dads, we get to, you know, have the baby and it's like easy peasy. Um, You know, we maybe put up with some, some strange behavior for a few weeks or months, but that pregnancy for a dad is piece of cake, but the mom has to go through all the birthing and I'm a huge baby. I could not, I would not want to have anything to do with that and go through all that. And then I, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I couldn't imagine being able to do it and, and think that there's something beyond that. And, and I know that, you know, we're going to get to your message uh, after this, which is good, but um, it, it's just, it's a very difficult thing, but we do know uh, that there are better days and um, you know, we're going to give us ourselves a chance to uh, grab some tissue, grab a drink, uh, take a little bit of an emotional break. We'll give you our song of the week. This is, a song by a guy named Blessing Offer. Song is called Brighter Day. So we're going to give you about 90 seconds of that. We'll be back after to uh, share the message uh, from the mess and um, uh, send you out with a little bit of hope. So um, trust me, folks, Brighter Day is coming. And here's 90 seconds of a song to tell you about that. Oh, if you're trying hard to breathe in the dark, in the
All right, there you go. Blessing offer with brighter days. Uh, what did you think, Catherine? Anything stand out in the song to you? Yeah, there's a lot of really good phrases that I think describe how I was feeling. Um, like if you're trying hard to breathe in the dark, in the dark, I really felt that those dark days, you, you know, just um, it's hard to describe how dark it felt. Another part is if your screams don't make a sound, there are so many moments where I just, I wanted to scream, but there was nothing that would come out. Um, I love, I really love kind of the chorus that you hear over and over is, I know there's going to be some brighter days. That hope that there will eventually be relief. Yeah. And the only reason that I know that there will be is because people have told me that they've gone through something and, and, and they've made it and, and to be able to see that because in my dark times, I feel like there is no way out and to be able to see someone. And that's why it's so, so awesome to have you on to let, you know, other ladies know that there is uh, some hope and you're, like you said, you know, you're still relatively recent into this last event, but to be able to hold on to the hope. Um, I, I know uh, one of my favorite movies is sleepless in Seattle and it, one point he's you know tom hanks is talking to the lady on the radio and she says well how do you get through he said well you know you breathe in and you breathe out and you tell yourself to breathe in and eventually you know somewhere down the road you realize you're not telling yourself to do it and you know you never you're never over uh, a loss but we learn how to move through it and 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 find those days that are are going to be brighter um and i i think of um uh, Isaiah 61 3 that you know he says we'll we give them beauty for ashes and that we have those promises and I just have to I mean, that's that's where the faith and the trust comes in is you just have to all right I believe this says this so I'm I don't see it and if I could see it it wouldn't be faith <laughs> you know yes, it would just be exactly. evidence um and so that's the the thing that that we do. And that's why we, we can't keep, um, well, we can't keep quiet. Um, we've got to, we've got to tell our stories and we've got to, uh, to share and, 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 you know, another shameless plug here. If you, if you want to find out more about how you don't know who's listening, when you share your story, you can check out my newest book piece by piece, um, on Amazon or, uh, Apple books. Um, and that's the whole idea that we're talking about in that book is the idea that we don't know who's listening and you've just got to keep telling your story because someone is going to hear it. And, and there is um, a hope. And, and the thing, one of the things that really stood out to me in the song is, you know, the dynamic change in there. And, and it it's really echoes the emotion that I felt when I've been in those dark, dark places where it's like the dark gets, the, the negative of life can just scream at me, but it's still silent. And, and I've spent many nights where just the negative of life is screaming at me. And I'm, I'm just sitting quietly in a room, just thinking, when will this be over? And um, okay. thankfully um, it always changes. Uh, I don't know if over is a good word, but um, there are, there's brightness in the morning. And, and, you know, like we say, midnight only lasts one minute, you know, after, after 12 o'clock, it's 12.01, it's not midnight anymore. And so uh, we just have to hang on for that 60 second interval. Um, and, and sometimes it's a hard hang on 
but um, but mm -hmm. we can we can get through. So, Catherine, you have decided to do a blog because why not share with everybody? And and I love first of all, I love the title of it. When um, Giselle first told me, I was like, "What the heck is this thing that she's talking about?" And then she told me more. I was like, "Oh." Okay, that makes perfect sense. But your blog is Confessions of a Pineapple. Talk to us about the whole idea of a pineapple. Yes, I, I get lots of funny looks or comments when people hear pineapple. Um, what's not known is a pineapple is um, a symbol in the infertility community. Um, a lot of people in the community really like the quote by, I believe it's Catherine Gaskin, who said, be a pineapple, stand tall, wear a crown, and be sweet on the inside. Mm. And we just, we feel drawn towards it because infertility can make you feel broken and embarrassed, ashamed, like a ton of negative emotions. But the pineapple kind of teaches us that we can, we, our value isn't defined by our infertility. Our value is infinite and we can be beautiful and stand tall. Yeah. So, so you're starting this blog, brand spanking new. Um, <laughs> and what was, what, what are you, why are you doing the blog? Well, part of my healing process uh, after my miscarriage, I hit rock bottom. Like I kind of talked about earlier, I was angry with God last year and I was still kind of even more angry and frustrated at following the miscarriage. But I also came to a moment where I realized I can't do this alone and I need God on my side. So I've had to work through repairing my relationship with him. Um, we're not out of the woods yet, but I'm working on it. And I wanted to kind of share the things I'm learning with other people who maybe have, have been here, are here, or will be here. Um, I just want to share um, I want to open up the conversation. I've felt a lot of people uncomfortable when it comes to talking about infertility or miscarriage. It kind of gets talked about in whispers and swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's harder for us to heal. I think it's easier for us to heal if it's out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you know, you can't heal mm -hmm. a wound if you say it's not there. Mm -hmm. And denial is... Um, you know, in, in my recovery programs, the first lesson we teach is on denial. And, and it's that whole idea of just pretending that it's not happening doesn't fix anything. Mm -hmm. um, when you, you, you talked about, you know, people not knowing what to say. Um, and it, when, when somebody loses a family member, it's like people don't want to mention their name because they think, oh, well, I didn't want to talk about, you know, the person that you just lost because I didn't want to bring it up and, and make you feel bad as if that person isn't thinking about the person they've lost and that they don't have those feelings. And when, when you've gone through a loss and the world just acts like nothing else has happened, it's just, to me, it makes me feel more isolated. Mm -hmm. Like, don't you exactly. see me here? I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. And I know that no one will hurt as long as I do. I remember when I was, uh, you know, in my early twenties, my, um, my wife left and I was there with my one-year-old daughter and, and my wife left with her boss and, and was gone. 
And my friends would be like, okay, yeah. And they would listen to me talk, but then they just wanted, I mean, you know, we're 23 year old guys. They didn't want to listen to their friend with a one-year-old, you know, blubbering about his loss. They were just like, okay, we heard it. Now let's move on. And uh, yeah. that the, the person that is not ready to move on yet. And, and you're never able to, you know, you, you, you heal, but you don't, you know, forget. And so I think being able to have a forum to talk about it and to be open about it uh, is, yeah. is critical because people need that, that outlet. And, and we can't just tell ladies, get over it. You know, it's, you know, That's like the worst thing you can say. Oh, it's so, <laughs> so bad. It, when, when my daughter lost her daughter, somebody gave her a book that basically said it was her fault and that she needed yeah. to just figure out what she did wrong and not do that again. Oh, and so it terrible. was, oh, it was, oh. yeah, yeah. I, I oh, wanted to heart. strangle that person who gave them that book. It's just so, so cruel. Um, but we can't heal if we don't acknowledge it. And, and when you, you know, found out that you, you know, had a diagnosis um, for, uh, you know, PCOS, it's not, it's not great, but at least there's a, there's a knowing. And so, okay, here's what I can do to deal with it um, kind of a thing. I was looking and it, it, I, I didn't realize, I, I, I just looked up how common it is. And it mm -hmm. says that um, U.S. women of reproductive age, six to twelve percent of women, are doing yeah. that. And I mean, if if you're sitting at right now, if you're listening to this at the gym or you're uh, at a Starbucks or something like that, look around. If you see ten women, one of them might be affected by this. Um, and and don't stare at her chin. Really, that's <laughs> not everyone has it. Not everyone has it. It's <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's definitely more common than I thought that it would have been. Um, and um, the problem that I think that we have is when women lose a child, they, they miscarry so often it happens early on and we don't know the rest mm -hmm. of us don't know that it's happened. And I know that there's a, when, when my ex-wife got pregnant, I was like, I wanted to grab the, the little pregnancy test and run down the streets and just tell everybody, look. Mm. And she's like, well, no, we can't do that yet. We have to wait because then I was like, uh, and, and so often people don't know. And, and the families are just silently suffering um, without knowing. And, and so I'm so glad that you've given people a place to, to come and do this. Um, the, People can find the blog by how to how where do they go to? Um, so my website is www.confessionsofapineapple.com. We are also on social media, so we're on Facebook and Instagram, and it's at confessions.of.a.pineapple. Okay, I didn't want all the dots, but somebody else already had the one without the dots, so yeah, I had to, it gets I had tricky coming up with things you know to have to. Uh, get what you want, but not be able to have because somebody was clever before you were. It's like, yes, oh. exactly. I, I had, I had. We're one not person. even talking about infertility. Mine's more important. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. Well, first time I heard it was like I, I used to have a friend who was from Hawaii, and we called him Pineapple. That was his nickname. And so I was like, oh, is this girl a pineapple? What is she Hawaiian? I don't know. Um, but uh, it's it's super frustrating when someone has something. And there was a a guy in South Africa who had 
a URL that I wanted and it was dead. He hadn't used anything as his website was like three years from the last post. I was like, yeah. I really want this URL. It's the one that I need. And um, because he wasn't posting anything on, he also wasn't answering any of the email and I couldn't That's get a hold of him. It's on Instagram like, too. The one I wanted, it's inactive. Man. I almost messaged him. Hey, can I have your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your account? Let it go, please. I'm doing good. Um, so when you do this, um, you're blogging. Is there an opportunity for people to, to tell their stories or share? Absolutely. Or... That is absolutely one of the goals. I want to have people feel comfortable to be able to come be a guest writer or we can collaborate on a post if you don't want to write it yourself. Um, I'm also um, trying to share resources. So the pineapple is an interesting um, reason for a second reason is that it also symbolizes friendship. Mm. Um, in the new world, when pineapples were first discovered, it was kind of the, the cool thing to have at your parties since people were giving them to their friends and it kind of became this symbol of friendship. So I'm also trying to address um, kind of to people to know how to help people who are going through fertility and miscarriage. So I want to share kind of ways people can help us. Um, like I have a post that I'm working on that's kind of the five love languages it's mm. kind of my basis for like things you can do to help your friend while they're healing. Yeah. Um, so that it's not this awkward, I don't know how to help you. I know you're hurting, but I don't know what to do. So I'm trying to help give resources. People know how to help this as well. Yeah. And your friend probably doesn't want you just to pretend like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. um, and even if your friend says they want you to pretend like nothing happened, they're wrong. They, yeah. they, they're not going to heal if nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm just so thankful that you've chosen to acknowledge and, and embrace this. Um, having not known you before this, is this out of your comfort zone to be out there? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I tried to start a blog once a couple of years ago. I tried starting a YouTube channel, but they just weren't working out for me. So I kind of pushed them aside. Um, but as I've been working on this blog, like it is everything I've been thinking about, like it has become, I'm very passionate about it. I'm tired of being quiet about, about it. I want to open up and I want to share the message and, um, I hope people find healing as we, as we go through this together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the, the critical word right there is together. Uh, don't go through this alone. If you are struggling with, uh, issues with fertility, if you're struggling with issues of having lost a child, um, don't just sit there quietly, reach out to somebody. You can reach out uh, to Miss Pineapple here um, <laughs> and, and uh, listen to her confessions. You can confess with her. You can uh, reach us if you want, and we can put you in touch um, or just, you know, find someone there. There's, there's resources out there. Don't don't be alone. Alone is you're a sitting duck. Uh, but when we're together, we are much, much stronger together. So find a community, belong to that community and, and, and reach out. And if somebody gives you bad advice, don't just stop there. Get, go find good advice. You know, um, you, you don't have to just stop the first time someone tells you to get over it. Um, stop tell talking. Them that, that hurt your feelings too. So that yeah. you know for the future. Yeah. Yeah. Be, uh, because, yeah, because that person is going to give that same stupid advice to somebody else and, and we don't need that. And it, if you feel like it's too awkward to tell them they were being, you know, insensitive, that's okay. They, they just hurt your feelings pretty bad. You can hurt their feelings a little bit. Trust me, it won't be as bad. And if it is, then, you know, you can 
point them in the direction of some, you know, clinical help because they obviously need it. Um, Catherine, thank you so much uh, for doing this and for sharing. Thank you for putting up with my mistakes and having to do this twice. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Everybody go out there and um, just uh, let's see if we can break the internet. Uh, go check out the blog and um, uh, make it. The, the worst thing that happens when you write a blog is when I first started my blog, you know, several years ago, I would check the stats and it's like, nobody looked. And then I checked like two minutes later, nobody looked. And I had to stop doing that because it gets, you know, crushing because you're writing this stuff and it's like, okay, somebody's got to see it. So let's give Catherine some good feelings and, and uh, give her just bang those stats hard, you know, check it five, six times a day. Maybe she's written something new for you and tell your friends, spread the word, spread the word about the podcast. You can find us on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook as well. If you want to email me, it's mess or the uh, it's bowtie guy at mess it up podcast.com. You can also call or text 760-608-1942. We need stories like this. I wouldn't have known about Catherine if uh, listener Giselle hadn't told me about Catherine. So um, if you've got a story that you want to share, let us know if you've got a story that someone you know and we need to share it. You know, send me their information with their permission and um, we'll reach out and get them on as well. And if you're dealing with infertility issues, check out the blog, reach out to Catherine. Um, she's got good information and um, She's building a community that's uh, really super important. Catherine, thank you so much. Um, I hope that everything uh, in Tennessee is as awesome as you want it to be today. Um, go find someone without an accent and a sweet tea and give them a hug for me because, you know. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me today. So I really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you guys next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends and we'll see you next time we mess it up.